All right, you guys, we are rolling into another episode of Return, and today we're going to talk about a little bit more of probably a heavy subject, but important to know and talk about nonetheless, and that is what the Bible has to say about the great falling away from the faith. So there's a lot on it, and let's just jump right in. podcast. We love um, getting messages from you guys. I've been getting some recently and I just get so encouraged and blessed to hear uh, where you're listening from and how this is impacting you. And I just want you to know that it is such a joy for us to know um, yeah, that you're being blessed by it and it keeps us motivated to want to keep doing this. So thanks. But okay, we have a big subject to talk about today. And I want to just kind of jump right in. So uh, there's a lot that could be said on this topic, talking about the great falling away, plainly because there's so many verses on it. That's one of like almost the biggest shocking things about this is how many times in the scripture uh, it talks about people departing from the faith. Um, And so uh, there's a lot that we could look at. I want to make our primary text... 1 Timothy 4, starting in verse 1 and 2, um, and we'll probably pull from some other verses, but I kind of want to make this the key one that we look at. So I'll go ahead and read it, and then we're going to chat about it a little bit. But it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And it keeps going there uh, and giving some more details. But the first thing that I think is important to highlight from this is that this is something the spirit is expressly saying, meaning it is very important. It is something that is just the Lord is wanting to highlight that this is an obvious and a big thing. And I don't know if you have thoughts on that, why it's so important that we actually see this and get it. Well, this is a pastoral letter from Paul to Timothy, and it was happening in Paul's days when when people were betraying him or betraying the Lord. And, I mean, we're talking about the generation that, crucified the Lord Jesus. So many of them were still alive and remembered how in a in a couple of days they completely turned against the Lord. So it was a fresh thing and it was happening over and over again because of the laws that were being passed in Paul's days that will make them do make a decision and we know at the end of Paul's life that most of them left him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was intense, but Paul is saying, Hey, Timothy, you're going to continue my work in some degree when I die. And this is just going to get worse and worse. But in the lad, in the last days is going to be into a level that is going to surpass anything that has ever happened in history. So Paul understood that was important for Timothy as an apostle and as a pastor to understand that this was part of the enemy's plan and that that was going to escalate. So 
Because when these things happen to us or when people around us, it's a shock. Mm-hmm. It's a shock when people publicly say, I don't believe in even in the Bible. I don't believe in God. And so it, it, it has two purposes. One, the enemy wants to deceive the person that is believing these lies from demons and doctrines and all of that, which I love that Paul says there are doctrines of demons. These are, these are not ideologies of a book or a philosopher. They are backed up by demon demons' powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means that we can fight with with them um, in According prayer. According to the scripture, yeah. Yeah, in prayer, because Paul says in Ephesians 6 that our battle is with the demons and the principalities, not with the flesh and blood. It's not with the vessel that is saying the message. If we know it has it's a doctrine of demons, then we love the person, we give them space, we confront them with the truth, but we war in the spirit. So that's one. The first the first thing that I see that the enemy wants to do is is to destroy the person that is believing those demons uh, doctrines. But number two is to discourage the church and to kind of like, especially if it is a leader that now is coming out saying, I actually don't believe in anything. And like you said, he's deconstructing his mindset. Mm-hmm. If we know that God is above all of that and that he already warned us, then we know how to respond. We have more patience. We see the bigger picture. We're not like alarmed and discouraged and doubting about our doctrines and is the bible even real you know we we can take a step back suffer a little bit of the pain but then we have a biblical perspective of how to how to respond yeah so that's what i see that paul is doing there he's actually helping us in a pastoral issue that's just going to escalate yeah and that's the thing is the pain of this is very real like we benji and i have i mean sadly almost too many to count of personal friends that we've walked with in, you know, different seasons of our life who've denied the Lord. And, and I think here's the thing is there's also, there can be a bit of a differentiation where there are people who will walk away from the faith and, you know, circumstances come around to where, you know, in life they actually do come back and, and, you know, the Lord shows them mercy and, you know, they, they believe the word again. And that's the thing that we pray for and believe for and hope for, uh, you know, because we see the story of the prodigal son, how the Lord is always waiting and, and willing and desiring that they come back to the love of the truth. That's why even Paul talks about sometimes when a person is, you know, sinning, sometimes you need to hand that person over to Satan, which is something that we never talk about or really know what that means or looks like in our Western church culture. But basically it's sometimes it's like you let someone go into the fullness of their desires and the lust of the flesh, believing that at the end of their life, you know, they'll actually come back, that the Lord would actually have mercy on them when they reach basically the end of themselves. And so the thing is, is there's a falling away to which people we know and love, you know, they, they choose not to believe anymore. And yet there's definitely hope and we pray that they return. And yet I do see that there's a, a bit of a differentiation with the great falling away that takes place at the end of the age. Because there's this verse in Hebrews 6 that does say 
that uh, it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the, of the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, da, 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 if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. And I would say there's almost like this other level of where it's willful. Uh, the popular term for it right now is deconstruction, where there's like a willful denial of the basic truths, doctrines, and beliefs of scripture for believing something else. And it's like the radical shift that you are choosing to make to where it's like you're you're no longer going to raise your kids to believe these things. You're not you no longer, you know, have the Bible as your moral, but you're like specifically choosing to walk away from those things. And so I do want to talk about this uh, topic of deconstructionism just for a second, uh, because it's, it's becoming more and more popular and um, almost like a little bit of a trend. And we've seen, you know, some high level leaders in the body of Christ who have used that term recently when they've kind of publicly come out and said that they're no longer following the Lord. Um, one of them, I don't really want to name names because again, we want to believe the Lord for their salvation, you know, again, but, um, one of them did recently, one of the recent leaders came out and said, yeah, I'm going through this phase of deconstructionism, which according to the Bible means falling away from the faith. And I did find it a little bit ironic that he was just so blatant and so clear, which in some ways I appreciate that it's that way rather than trying to mask it in something else. But I do want to say this deconstructionism is basically the idea of like you're you're picking apart and you're you're specifically going through this process of breaking down theological and philosophical ideas that maybe you grew up with or maybe you know things popular things that you've been taught in church in um, you know w- whatever just Christian background and you're basically pulling it apart for the sake of seeing if you really believe those things to be true. And what I want to say is it sounds great and some people put a positive light on it to say, oh, well, this deconstructionism, if you do that at the end of the day, it could really strengthen your faith because you're asking questions and you're doing things that, you know, at the end of the day, you could find out what you really believe. But what I want to say is a couple things. There's lots that could be said on this, but one It is okay, it is good, it is right to ask questions about your faith. That in no way is a negative thing. But if you're coming, if you're asking those questions, first of all, in almost like a cynical way and in a way that's saying like, well, I'm going to find something better than what's been taught for the last 2,000 years of church history and are trying to find some sort of new enlightenment that fits better with what you're feeling in the moment, I just want to say that is not biblical and that is not uh, godly. And it is very easy because there's this sentimental uh, sentimentalism right now, especially in just the Western church of it has to feel right in order to be true. And the amount of times that Paul and the scriptures talk about, you know, these doctrines of, of, demons and specifically there's other 
verses, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 to 4 says, For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And I mean, literally, there's five or six other verses that we could read that say something similar to this. But this whole thing of having itching ears, like this craving for something new, something that's like this new enlightenment, this new thing that feels better that, you know, you prefer to believe in than just the basic sound doctrines of the Bible and, and using the word deconstructionism to kind of go there is dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's arrogance. It's arrogance. Um, big picture, um, humans, we are so arrogant just to even yeah. question God. We are breathing because of him. That's it. There's So big picture, this is ridiculous. And it, the arrogance of man is going to escalate to the point that the Lord has to release judgments like he did in Genesis um, when the Tower of Babel and, and um, Genesis 11. So we're getting there. So this is... This is the ultimate expression of arrogance is to deconstruct or whatever that you put yourself as God when you don't even know when you're going to die. You will not even be able to breathe without the breath of God and you still are pointing your fist to him. And so this big picture, this is arrogance to the uttermost, which is pride mm -hmm. and is the opposite of the character of God, which is humility and love. But they mask it with love. We're, we have love for the truth, so we want to search her out. But when you put the Bible out of the equation of searching the truth, then your love for the truth is love for yourself. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the point. And Paul said in one of those verses that in the last days, they will be lovers of self. So, again, when the Bible is in the equation, then God, actually, I believe God is... He has big shoulders. He can take our questions. Oh, yeah. He can take our questioning. He can take like, you know, a little bit of this and that. And uh, But when we systematically become the center of our lives and the universe and our feelings, and then we start pushing out the word of God, then it, it, there, I don't think there's a turning back after that. I don't think that when people lose faith in the word of God, what else can you hold on? Like, there's nothing else. It's, yeah. it's just your idea of God. We cannot even know that God exists without the Bible. There's no faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. So when you take the Word out, you're faithless. You, There's no way for you to reach out to God if you're questioning the Bible, the canon of the truth. Yeah. So I'm not saying that there's no turning back ever, but it's pretty difficult. Yeah. So and and so at the end of the day, that's arrogance. Mm -hmm. It's just pride expressed with a facade of love and self righteousness. So yeah, that's what's happening, and it, that's why it's in the Western world because we are very prosper, prosperous, and compared to the rest of the world. So the lack of problems and the lack of lack makes you wonder in idleness and in a lot of abundance of food. It makes you start 
uh, I don't know, wondering your own thoughts and you get lost in your own arrogance. Yeah. The prideful ideas that start coming out and these new things that you want to be enlightened to. And, and part of it is sometimes when, I mean, it goes back to the parable of the seed falling on the, on the different soils is sometimes I think in the West, because we have so much prosperity and it's propagated, our, our prosperity is in some ways backed by this gospel of prosperity too. So that when hard times actually do come, it's the, the parable of the soil and it's the parable of what are you building your your house on is your house built on the solid foundation of the rock or is your house built on you know the makeshift sand that when the storms of life come and the winds blow your house either stays steady or it's destroyed because it's built on you know a sandy foundation and so kind of to to bring this in a more positive way then i mean you were talking about it just now but the way that we solidify our faith, the way that we ask the questions with the genuine desire of wanting to go deeper, of wanting to get the answers that we're searching for is to go to the word. And so, I mean, I, I want to look at another verse here in, in a second, but the word of God, it, we in a lot of ways need to go back to some of the foundational and, and just basic doctrines of Christianity because I think the thing that I find a lot when, you know, reading different posts on social media or seeing popular trends and even popular trends in um, worship music or, or whatever is there's not a solid and clear foundation on some of the like basic biblical doctrines. And so I want to just say, like, if you are hungry to just get things clearer, go, you know, go to your pastor or go, there's books on it. Um, I remember in school, I read this book, it's called Doctrine and it's by um, Mark Driscoll. And it just lists okay. out basic doctrinal beliefs. And those are the things that will keep us on a steady foundation yeah. when things start shaking, when people we know and love, you know, start falling away or the betrayal, all like all of that stuff. And so the other verse though, that I want to bring in to specifically hit on that point is Paul is talking to Timothy about this in second Timothy three verse 10. And, and this is the remedy that Paul tells him. He, he says, Timothy, you've carefully followed my doctrine my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, all of the things that I endured. You guys, you just have to go read this passage. It's amazing. It's long, so I don't want to read it all. But he, he tells Timothy in verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, 14, you must continue in the things which you've learned and have been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from your childhood you have known holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in christ jesus and then verse 16 all scripture is given by inspiration of god it's profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of god may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work 
So the way that Paul comforts Timothy in the midst of these verses, in the midst of, this is in context to men being lovers of themselves, lovers of money, in the midst of false doctrines coming up. Paul says, okay, Timothy, I want you, one, to, to look at what you've observed in my life. And I think that's something that I would encourage you to do if you don't have someone in your life who is a godly example of who you want to imitate. Paul says in a different verse, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There's just godly authority that we submit ourselves to and we look to godly people to imitate our lives after, to see how they endure, you know, their doctrine, their manner of life, their purpose of faith. They don't have to be perfect. They're not perfect by Hmm. any means. But the Lord uses that. The Lord uses godly people for us to imitate our life after. But most importantly, to take heed to the holy scriptures, which are able to bring correction, which are able to bring instruction for righteousness. You know, the sword that cuts through both bone and marrow. It's able to divide the good and the bad in our lives. And so going to the word. And I just want to encourage you. Some of you probably are thinking like, my gosh, this feels so overwhelming. Like I barely know what's going on sometimes when I read the Bible or I don't, yeah, I don't understand everything or it takes so much time. I could never get to, you know, what you know or blah, blah, blah. And I just want to say it's little by little. It is day by day, you know, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, like scheduling it though because you will do it more consistently if you have scheduled time in the word but i want to say it is worth it it's like taking vitamins you don't feel the impact of the vitamins until one day you realize like oh i haven't gotten sick in the last year or two you know you have to feed yourself on the word of god and little by little over time you'll notice that things come out of you. You'll you'll have more clarity sometimes when there's questions arising. You'll be reminded of something that you see in scripture. And Holy Spirit is our best teacher. Uh, John 14, and I love John 13 to 17. It's amazing. But Jesus talks about, it's better for me that I'm with the Father because the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be your teacher. And we've learned this from um, Mike Bickle, who's our kind of spiritual father, he always says, your best teacher is you. Because when you speak things and you know, you're, you're just talking about things, you're talking about the word, the Holy Spirit will inspire things that come out of your mouth. And when they come out of your mouth, they will touch your heart in a much more profound way than just listening to someone else talk about it. So all of that to say, The great falling away, it is a big deal. It is something that we are going to see really, uh, I I believe it has begun to happen and I think it's going to just continue. And yet at the same time, we want to gird ourselves up. We want to meditate on the word. We want to, I mean, Paul talks about so many different things stirring up your holy faith with songs, hymns, spiritual songs. And I want to end by saying there are so many passages in the New Testament. I have just four of them listed here. But so many different times where uh, Paul is talking about how 
the Lord is faithful to complete the good work that he started in us. And we have to cooperate with his grace. We have to cooperate in obedience and humility and love again in the sound doctrine. But I want to encourage you to say that if you continue on in the faith, the thing that Paul talks about in all of these different verses is about how on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he appears in the sky, the Lord will present you blameless and holy if we continue in the faith. So Amen. maybe more to be said on this on another date. But yeah, stay accountable. Love the word. Yeah. And I just want to say one more thing. This phrase has been circling around and I just I kind of understand what they are trying to say, but it's a it's a tricky one. And it's God, we don't want to put you in our boxes. That is not biblical. God, it's not that he is in a box and he's not creative. He's the creator, but he put boundaries about what we should expect of him doing, what we should expect of us receiving from him, and what our life should look like, which is in the Sermon on the Mount. So asking the Lord to not put him in a box is saying what the Bible said is a box, so give us something new, you know. So I just want to say that, that stay in the word of God as your boundaries. Love the word, love accountability. And um, as the Lord, we need to keep asking the Lord for discernment because even the things that we sing, sometimes they are touched by some doctrines that are derailing people from the truth and loving the Bible, loving the truth. So stay accountable. Let's stay humble to each other. Let's be easy to be corrected and yeah, turn and be under authority. If you're not under authority, we're done. Like we are little sheep without shepherds that wolves are going to take us out. So I would just say that on the how we should live now and with a lot of fear of the Lord and staying accountable to the local church and loving them. Amen. Amen. See you guys in the next episode.